This is Local Color, a Baltimore podcast, a show dedicated to Baltimore's black artists, entrepreneurs, and social innovators using their talents to make Baltimore a better place. I'm your host, Jason V, and on the show today, LaFontaine Oliver, president and general manager of 88.1 WIPR, as well as chair of the NPR board. An aspiring actor since childhood, as LaFontaine got older, he fell in love with media and climbed the ranks in the public radio world. Some would say he's reached the top of the mountain, but as he tells it, his story is still being written. I could lie to you and say public radio has been part of my life forever, but when I was a kid, I just listened to whatever my parents or my grandma had on when they were driving. But a distinct memory I have is sitting in my grandma's old Buick she called Bessie, listening to a storytelling hour on the radio. This was back when people still stole radios, and if you lived in Randallstown, the movie theater was still off Liberty Road by the IHOP and Golden Dragon. A young woman told the story of a mischievous monkey, and the only part of the story I remember is the enthusiasm in which she read the story. The line that stuck with me the most is when she said, the monkey's eyes popped out. Not in the graphic, eyes literally popping out, but the, oh wow, this is amazing, popping out. Maybe that sparked my love for public radio and telling stories, and I just didn't know it at the time. For my guest LaFontaine Oliver, though, radio as a passion and a career is in his blood. As I begin my partnership with WIPR for their podcast platform, Your Public Studios, I thought it'd be a good idea to give listeners a chance to learn more about the man who makes the decisions at Baltimore's NPR news station. And I want to start with you, as I always do with my guests. So can you tell me where you're from and what... What was uh, growing up like for you? Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, originally from just down the road in Washington, D.C., um, uh, born and raised uh, in, uh, in Southeast D.C. and uh, attended um, uh, public high schools there in D.C. And if you know anything about Southeast D.C., you know, um, especially the time I grew up, it was an interesting time to be growing up in, in Washington, D.C., in that area. And, um, but I, I'd like to say that I was born into a, a family with, with lots of, of love and lots of pride and uh, had a family that seeded just some really, really great stuff uh, in us. And, and uh, I think uh, we were able to, to take that and, and build upon it uh, despite um, some of the challenges uh, of, of our surroundings. And do you have siblings or is it just you? Yeah, so I, I do. I have, uh, I have an older brother and I have a younger sister. Uh, and what, so what was it like being the middle child? Did, did you have middle child syndrome? You know, I, I, I don't think I did, actually. Um, <laughs> you know, we were a pretty uh, close, tight-knit group. And uh, I, I don't think I felt any of that sort of middle child uh, syndrome. We, we, we are all pretty unique. Yeah, I, I can't say that I, I, I felt, felt any of the, the middle child syndrome, no. You've been working in media and public radio for over 20 years. And while I do want you to give a brief timeline of uh, your work in the industry, can you say that as you were growing up and, and going to school that you had a particular interest in media and public radio? Yeah, that's interesting. So um, I did, but I would say my my first love um, was was actually acting. So I I I um I was really fortunate at a a, a young age to have a, a, 
a pretty successful uh, career as a childhood performer, uh, performing in uh, theaters uh, all over Washington, D.C., everything from the Arena Stage to the Folgers Shakespeare Theater, the um, Center Theater, and then had an opportunity to, to go on and do some uh, some television work, including some work um, in front of the camera in public television and some small independent films and things like that. And so um, my first love was was acting. And I, I originally thought that um, that my career would be um, that of a performer. It wasn't until a little bit later um, that um, I really sort of fell in love with with media and broadcasting and radio. My dad worked in radio. And so I'd had some some early exposure, um, but uh, my original thought was that uh, I was going to be a performer. Okay, and can you just give a little brief background of your dad's career in radio? Because I, I can I bet that it was much different then than it is now. My dad worked at uh, what what at, at the time was um, Wook W O O K, which was one of the. Uh, heritage uh, black stations uh, in Washington, D.C. And um, he did a, a variety of things. I, I believe he said he first started out doing um, color and play-by-play -play for high school sports on the channel and then later got into production and was a jock and did a bunch of, of, of stuff on radio. So uh, in some ways, it's kind of, kind of, kind of in, in the blood. And uh, now that we're bringing it full circle, can you give a brief timeline of your work in media and public radio? I'd say let's start from college up until now. I was really fortunate. So I did my, um, I did my undergraduate studies at uh, the University of Miami, Go Canes. Um, and it was there at the University of Miami that I, um, I started working at the campus uh, radio station. And I think that's where I first really started to fall in love with radio. Initially, like most college stations, it, it, it had a, um, a bit of a format, but it was fairly loose, had some flexibility. But I think I started out in the, in the overnights. Uh, this was an alternative uh, formatted station. And so uh, sort of playing alternative music um, at, at a overnight shift and then sort of worked my way up and eventually ended up with, uh, with uh, a specialty show and then took over another popular um, uh, hip-hop specialty show that it was uh, one of the longest running uh, hip-hop shows uh, in the city of Miami. By the time I got to the end of my sophomore year, I was elected uh, general manager of our student-run station, which was wonderful because the position of general manager uh, paid full tuition, room and board, and a stipend. Uh, obviously, was a great thing for a kid from Southeast DC all the way down at the University of Miami, that certainly made uh, paying for uh, that expensive private school education uh, a lot easier. And uh, I was able to hold that position uh, for my junior and senior years there at the University of Miami and got a chance to just do some wonderful stuff and, and really learn and be creative. And I did a little bit of everything from on-air work to programming to production to uh, sponsorship and underwriting sales and, and really um, started to learn the business and then had an opportunity to do an internship at uh, one of the commercial stations in the Miami market, uh, WEDR, known to many as 99 Jams. And that was great, was able to, to learn from some, some really, really great folks and 
then I um, I moved back to the Washington DC metropolitan area after a short stint in commercial radio there. Um, so moved back home, home and um, spent uh, a number of years working uh, for Radio One uh, in Washington DC. And that took me on a quite a path from working with Heritage uh, w -O News Talker WOL AM and producing and uh, working my way up to assistant program director. And um, eventually when I left, I was working for Radio One Corporate. I was a part of both the syndication One Talk Network where we launched some national talk shows. And I was a part of a team that worked to present uh, a handful of the formats that were actually heard on XM Satellite Radio in the early days of XM Satellite. Uh, radio One had a third-party programmer's agreement with XM Satellite, and we launched five of, of the urban um, channels that uh, were heard on, on XM. This was prior to the merger with, uh, with Sirius. And so um, I had an opportunity to do some really cool creative stuff uh, working to launch uh, those formats, including a channel that was at the time called uh, The Power, um, which was the nation's first 24-7 African-American uh, talk channel. Yeah, so just a, a really fortunate to do some cool stuff in, in AM, in FM, and in satellite radio. And then later on, I made the transition to uh, to public radio. Once you made the transition into public radio, what was it like at the beginning of that transition to now being WIPR's president and general manager, as well as chair of the NPR board? It was an interesting transition. And I re recall at the time, a number of folks sort of questioning my decision um, to leave commercial radio for, for public radio. But I had been out of uh, undergrad for a number of years, and I had been putting off going back to school to get my MBA. I really wanted to do that. And um, a mentor at the time said, listen, you can keep putting this off, but you listen to and you, you like public radio. There are lots of public radio stations licensed to universities where you could go and get your MBA uh, and have somebody else pay for it. And so for me, um, I'd started a family and ideas of, of going off somewhere and, and doing an MBA sort of the traditional route uh, was no longer in the equation. And so it was a situation where I knew I needed to be able to work and go to school. And so that that was sort of the impetus for the transition into public media, something that I, I, I love. And um, so that actually brought me to, to, to Baltimore, where I um, uh, was the general manager of WEAA, licensed to Morgan State University. Uh, for six years and I had an opportunity to do some pretty special stuff there, including launching a national show out of uh, WEAA that at its height was uh, broadcast on about a dozen other stations across the country and then got recruited away to Florida and spent six years in uh, the Orlando, Central Florida area running the NPR news station there and then recruited back here to uh, uh, to Baltimore to uh, take over um, WYPR. And I would say uh, it was interesting. I was probably only sort of back in town and in the seat about six months, I feel like, before the pandemic hit. And 
we all sort of scattered. Um, and so in some ways, um, it, it still feels new because um, so much of this has been under the pandemic where we've not, I've not been sort of in the presence of, of staff. Um, but it's been, it's been a good ride. We've um, been able to launch some pretty special initiatives, and, uh, including, of course, the um, sort of rebranding of, of our podcast brand. Um, we acquired WTMD in November of last year, uh, which was formerly licensed to Towson University, beloved uh, AAA music discovery station here in Baltimore. Um, we launched some, some, some new award-winning podcasts, added reporting beats. So it's been fast and furious, I will say that. And um, when you add my duties as uh, chair of the NPR board, I would say it has made for a pretty um, hectic and crazy uh, last uh, two years. Can you talk about the main differences between the position of president versus a general manager? It seems like a general manager, you kind of work on more of the day-to-day -day stuff, but what does a president of a radio station really do? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, um, many of our um, public radio stations are what we call institutional licensees. So they're licensed to colleges, universities, school boards. Um, and, um, but WYPR and uh, my previous station, um, WMFE in Orlando were both what we call community licensees. So they are standalone nonprofit organizations with a lay board of directors. And so essentially as president, you are you, know, you are the CEO of the organization. And so beyond just sort of the duties of, of you know, running a radio station as president, you have the, the responsibilities of running the entire organization. And so um, beyond programming and engineering, back office and building and HR and accounting and all of the things that any other nonprofit university or for-profit entity for, for that matter, um, in any of, of that uh, oversight um, sort of falls squarely in the lap of, of the president of the organization as, as, as the, the sort of the chief executive running all aspects of, uh, of the organization. <clears throat> Excuse me. You mentioned it before, uh, WIPR's rebranded podcast platform, Your Public Studios, uh, which, by the way, March 22nd, I'll be releasing my first episode of Local Color under uh, the Your Public Studios banner. Can you talk about the process of rebranding the podcast platform and what the goal of Your Public Studios is? Sure. Yeah. So the, the process is still sort of revealing itself and still sort of underway, but we thought um, that... Um, the 20th anniversary of WYPR, which is of course this year, 2022, was sort of the perfect springboard for us to um, just kind of take take stock of, take a take a step back and take a look at um, sort of our past, our present, and think more towards the future. And so we've started to think about uh, things like our branding, especially as you consider that we started out the organization, um, our corporate name, of course, is Your Public Radio, um, and uh, our station brand is WYPR, Your Public Radio, but we've grown to be more than just radio. First of all, we're more than just WYPR, which is uh, Baltimore's NPR news and information station. We are now uh, both WYPR and WTMD, uh, Baltimore's 
uh, AAA Music Discovery Station. But we are we are more than just radio now. Um, you know, our content is now reaching audiences, as I like to say, on air, online, mobile, and in the community. So this this anniversary gives us an opportunity, I think, to to sort of reflect on on all that we are to the Baltimore community and to think about how we want to position ourselves for the next uh, 20 years. And um, Your Public Studios is, is a nod to that. It is uh, a nod to um, the fact that we are your public here in Baltimore. We are a part of the community and I think we strive to be even more essential in more aspects of more people's lives in Baltimore through um, not just radio, but on-demand audio, which means you know podcasting, live events, and all of those things. And so, that that has sort of the thinking that has gone into the idea of of, of sort of rebranding uh, what was podcast central to your public studios is sort of announcing to Baltimore and to the world that as a part of this your public radio brand, this your public studios is thinking about how to create more content by, for, and about our community. And, and um, I think the future holds more podcasts that are, are being generated internally from, from our creative staff, but working with other uh, creatives like yourself. And, and, and I would stop and just say congratulations on your uh, 100th uh, episode of, of the Local Color podcast and congratulations and welcome to the Your Public Studios family. Um, and we want to do this again. We want to continue to, to, to source uh, content um, from our community. We want to do content with our community. Um, we want to be more reflective of, of our community. And that means that your public studios is going to have the opportunity to stretch out and to um, uh, be a platform for wider distribution for existing podcasts, um, to help incubate new podcast ideas and develop uh, podcast ideas alongside members of our community and members of our staff. So we're excited about that. And um, it just, um, it gives us a chance to, to amplify and elevate other voices in this on-demand audio podcast space, which, you know, many are sort of waking up and discovering the power of it. But um, of course, you know, having been doing this, I believe, since 2015, that this is a, a great and powerful medium that, uh, that we believe in. We believe it holds a lot of promise for the future as it relates to our brand of public service media. You've mentioned it twice now, and I have an idea, but I want you to just give a clear definition of it. What is a triple A AAA music discovery station? Yeah, so the uh, AAA music um, discovery format um, is uh, first and foremost adult album alternative, and it's it's pretty deep and wide. It's an eclectic mix of, you know, it could be everything: a little bit of rock, a little bit of bluegrass, uh, folk, Americana, roots. Um, there probably are no two AAA stations that are alike. Um, and the music discovery piece of it is, is really about just that. It's about helping communities um, uh, discover new um, artists, new bands, and in particular, many of these AAA music discoveries in public media have done a wonderful job of just championing the local um, uh, music uh, scene in their community. Uh, and so that AAA music discovery format is, has, has, has been a, a really powerful format that 
you know, I'm excited about and proud that we we have as a part of the Your Public Radio family here in Baltimore. So I did have one final question for you about your take and opinion on the public radio and media landscape in the next three to five years. But to be honest, it sounds like you've already answered that question in that public radio um, is, as you said, here for the community. And with your public studios, you really want to push that angle and allow people from the community to uh, collaborate and experience everything that WIPR has to offer. Uh, so do you have any questions for me as a, as a podcaster who will be on your public studios? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to hear your story and how you um, how you started um, the Local Color podcast and what, what motivated you. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> so I, I didn't start the podcast until 2015, but I want to say it was about 2012, maybe even 2011, um, when I really started listening to, to NPR and public radio, once I got out of college and, and started working, uh, I'll never forget, I was working at an educational publishing company. Um, I don't know if it's still around. It was called Words and Numbers. And they're right by, they're right at the bottom of TV Hill. And and back then, I really wanted to, you know, work in TV and like write movies and, and TV shows and stuff like that. And I still do, but, you know, uh, podcasting is my thing uh, right now. And I had always dreamed of like working up on TV Hill. And I remember when I was working at the at the publishing company, I would listen to Midday a lot. Now it's Midday with um, Tom Hall, but it used to be Midday with uh, with Dan Rodericks. And they had a um, they had an episode about basically the beginning of what we now see in the streaming landscape. And I wrote a comment and sent it in, and I, I was just overjoyed when they read it on air so I kept on listening and I kept on listening and I would always send in my comments and then eventually I just um, started volunteering doing the pledge drives uh, answering phones and and taking donations from uh, from supporters uh, eventually I applied for the internship program and then I started interning at, uh, at midday with Dan Rodericks and then from there once the internship was over I transitioned uh, into commercial radio. So for a time, I worked down in DC at uh, WNEW 99.1. That was a news radio station. Um, and I was working five days a week at uh, iHeart Radio for the, for, for the traffic uh, platform, Total Traffic Network. Uh, I was working five days a week for Total Traffic. And then on the weekends, I would go down to D.C. and do the overnight shift from 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. at NEW. And that's when I really learned all about uh, like radio journalism and, uh, and, and editing and production and all that kind of stuff. So I was doing that for about a year, a year and a half or so. And eventually the lack of sleep just caught up with me. And um, this is one of those situations where I should have just listened to my first mind because when I was done my shift, I was just like, I should just take a nap in my car. But I was like, well, if I take a nap in my car, it's going to take me that much longer to get home. And I want to eat breakfast. I'm gonna make, you know, eggs and cheese with some bacon, and then I'm gonna go to sleep. So I'm, I'm driving, I ended up falling asleep while I was driving, it was right outside of like m and Bank Stadium in Camden Yards. And 
I just remember waking up and my car was like driving across uh, this grassy median and the car hits a light pole. Uh, you know, it pops a curb, it hits a light pole and I broke my ankle. So I had to go to mm. uh, the shock trauma at University of Maryland. And it was just, it just so happened that I was right down the street from the, uh, from the hospital. I feel so bad. I, this nurse, she, I'm assuming had just finished her shift and she was waiting at the bus stop. And then she saw this accident. She's like, all right, well, I guess I got to go help somebody else. Um, so I have surgery. I get released from the hospital after a few days, but I can't walk. I obviously can't drive, so I can't really work. And in that three month period during that summer, I, um, I just started listening to a lot of podcasts and being somebody from Baltimore, you know, I grew up in the County, but that doesn't really make a difference to somebody who's not from here. So when I would travel to other states, or even when I was in college, when I went to school in Connecticut briefly, I would tell people where I was from, and they only had like one image of Baltimore in their minds. And mm -hmm. I wanted to create a podcast that would put a more positive light on Baltimore, because if you live here, you know that there's so much more to the city uh, than what you see on like an HBO TV show. Uh, so in 2015, I started the podcast and I, I was really happy when I got my first guest. It was, I can't even go back and listen to my first episode now because it's probably just embarrassing. Like I had really no idea what I was doing, but it was just something that I wanted to do. And, uh, over time I realized what I wanted to do was, was focus on the black artists and entrepreneurs and, and social innovators in Baltimore, because as one of, um, as one of the nation's remaining majority black cities, uh, I wanted to, um, as I said before, just shed a positive light on um, on Baltimore City. And that's just been the story these last seven years. And uh, now I sit here in my home studio talking to the president and general manager of WYPR and in, in a collaboration with um, with Local Color and your public studio. So this has definitely been a very humbling and, and very timely full circle moment for me. So I appreciate the opportunity to, to continue doing my work with the backing of, uh, of WIPR. Yeah, and we, we're really excited um, to work with you and, and to hopefully lift, um, lift the work and amplify the work that you've already been doing. Um, I guess I do have another question. Wish list guest. Who 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 have you not been able to land that that you really would like to talk to on the podcast? Oh wow. <laughs> um I hmm. who's somebody that I would love to talk to that I haven't been on the podcast that hasn't been on the podcast um there's some musical artists some music artists from uh really from dc but i know if if i can just digress for a moment i know that there are people who do not consider baltimore part of the dmv but i'm just saying it right now that we're part of it and even if you yeah. think that we're not you guys are just gonna have to deal with it because we're, we're 45 minutes away from dc we we are a part of the culture so i, I just want to put that out there um, to that, in that vein, one of my favorite rappers out of DC in the last few years is this rapper Goldlink. I would love to have him on the podcast because when you listen to his music, his, his music is very danceable, but when you listen to the lyrics, he has such a way of uh, talking about 
his life experiences that I just feel like there is a lot more to him than people want to give him credit for. So that would be somebody I have visions of really just talking to any type of celebrity or famous person who has, um, who, who, who's come out of this area, you know? So uh, Taraji P. Henson, uh, Issa Rae, uh, Regina Hall, um, I mean, anybody that I can think of, I would just love the opportunity to talk with them. And then uh, as far as like more local uh, celebrities to the Baltimore area, you know, not to kind of flex, but I've, I've been doing the podcast for, for such a long time now that a lot of the people I've already interviewed, like I've, I've interviewed, you know, I've interviewed D. Watkins, I've interviewed Mayor Brandon Scott, I'm interviewing you right now. So I, I feel very privileged. Um but if I could continue in that same vein, I mean, I'd love to have a, a, a conversation with Devin Allen or uh, Akio Evans. I know he's out in like Los Angeles right now, but just really continuing to talk to those, um, the entrepreneurs and, and artists in the Baltimore art scene that are just putting on for the city. Uh, and, and as I continue to talk with them, just continue to build that network so one day my idea is to again just build a like a like a network or a compendium or something like that so if there's a if there's an artist or um, a business owner who wants to get in touch with somebody that does something that they need they could just really refer to local color and say oh hey in in x year jason talked to so-and-so maybe i can reach out to him or reach out to them use the podcast as a reference point and, and, and then use that as a springboard to, to promote additional collaboration. But that's all I got. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to mention that we haven't already gone over? No, um, just look forward to, uh, to, to hearing the finished product. And I understand this will be the first um, in our partnership. So I'm really excited about that and looking forward to, uh, to, to working with you. That was LaFontaine Oliver, president and GM of Baltimore's NPR station, WYPR, and chair of the NPR board. He doesn't have an IG, but he's on Twitter, at LaFontaine underscore O. Remember, likes and retweets are not endorsements. Don't try to get them out the paint, y'all. Please don't forget to subscribe, review, and rate five stars for the show to help others find it. I'm Jason V, and I'll be back with another episode of Local Color. Thanks for listening.